So when I was growing up, I was fortunate enough that my folks had a place in the country. We had 68 acres. I missed a lot of Sunday school, but uh, I got to the go to the country a lot, and I loved it. It was a great place to grow up. I learned how to turn bull calves into steers and all kinds of things. I, I remember that um, my dad let me buy a horse, but I had, I was 12, I had to contribute $30 towards the price of the horse. And I remember to this day the feeling when I had $30 in my little barrel bank, and I said, let's go buy a horse. He was an Appaloosa. His name was Applesauce. He came pre-named. Rode him all over that place. Some of my fondest memories in childhood uh, kind of work around that farm and riding Applesauce. And we had, uh, in the back of the house, we had a big bell, like an old church bell. And when it was time to eat, my mother would ring that bell. And even in the back pasture, I could hear that bell. And so I'd come running in on applesauce, and it was time to eat. <clears throat> and I was excited. And I have fond memories of, of family dinners in particular together around the table at the farm still have great memories of that. And I don't know about your house, but at my house, um, if there's anything to celebrate, we're going to eat. The kids come back from college, we're going to eat. The grandbabies come to see us, we're going to eat. We eat to celebrate. We celebrate to eat. I don't know if that's how your house is, but that's how our house works. I find that happy moments and happy memories happen around the dinner table. It, it's a time to celebrate. And today's scripture that we're going to read comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and the disciples have gathered to celebrate. They're, they're gathering to celebrate the Passover meal. And, and this was a big deal for them. This, this was a celebration. It would be akin to our Easter dinner or Easter lunch or a Christmas dinner. This was a time to celebrate. Jesus is gathering with his disciples, and they have come to celebrate the Passover. So our text comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter, verses 17 through 30. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, surely not I, rabbi. 
He replied, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God. So they've gathered for this celebratory meal, for this, this Passover meal, for them to remember God's actions in the life of the Israelites, of them being freed from slavery in Egypt. And, and so Jesus takes this sort of happy meal that's happening, and he kind of throws a wet blanket on it, talking about somebody here is going to betray me. And then he goes on to take this celebratory Passover meal and he does something new with it. He says that this represents my body, which he knows is going to the cross. He says this represents the blood, my blood, and with it I am making a new covenant. With it, a new covenant is made with all the world. He took the Passover meal and did a new thing with it. You know, it is interesting to note that the Passover meal that they were celebrating was the last meal that the Jews had in Egypt. This meal was meant to help them remember what God has done in their lives, but it was also to give them fuel to go on this journey that they were about to undertake as they had been freed from the Egyptians. Jesus knew that this was going to be his last meal with the disciples. He, he knew what lay ahead of him, he knew that he was going to be scourged, that he was going to be nailed to a cross, and that he would die one of the most painful deaths man ever created. He also knew that he would be resurrected, and that with his resurrection would come a new covenant for the world, for all of us. His act of extravagant love is remembered when we gather at this table. When we have of bread and we have of wine, we are reminded of the extravagant love that God has poured upon us through the grace of Jesus Christ. We gather at this table as a church family as the body of Christ, as a little outpost of God's kingdom right here in Itascacita. We gather 
we remember the extravagant love that God has for each one of us. I have to tell you that when I really stop and I think about the price that was paid, that me, gray-headed, fat old Mike Tyson, receives, I really am, honestly, I'm overwhelmed. By the extravagant love that God has for me. I mean, he's got it for y'all too, but I'm overwhelmed by the love he has for me. And, and I don't know about you, but when, when I think about that, I, I feel the need to respond. I, I feel the need to, to do something, to give something back, to say thank you for this extravagant gift of love. And the best answer I can come up with is Romans 12:1. Me. All of me. The scripture says, give your whole self. Make your body a living and holy sacrifice. That's our response to God's extravagant love that he has for us. We are the sacrifice. We, we give our whole self, which, by the way, includes your checkbook. It includes all that you have. But let me remind you that you are a steward of what God has placed in your life. Our world says we can own things. Nah. You're not taking it with you. That house you've got a deed to, that brand new Lexus you paid cash for, it's going to be here long after you're gone. Nothing is really yours. It all comes from God. And you're a caretaker of it. So you've been given this gift of extravagant love. You, you've been given these things that God has you taken care of which includes your children, by the way. Your children, you are a steward of your children. They are God's gift to you to take care of. The next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a steward of all that God has blessed you with. And let me be clear. I know some of you are going, oh, it's that time of year where he's going to talk about money. I don't really give a rip about money. I mean, we need it to operate. We have bills to pay. I get that. But what I want you to get from this three-week sermon series, I want you to understand how much God loves you. I want you to know the extravagance of God's love for you. I want to share with you one of our families that sees you all as a gift from God. When they're talking about Atascacita United Methodist Church, they're talking about God working in you. God working through you. So let's see what the Packards have to say about you all. Thank you.
I think we started giving to AUMC pretty early on when we started coming here, probably after seeing one of these videos. Um, we just felt as though the church blessed our lives so much. Um, both of our girls have attended the Weekday Learning Center and we got really involved um, through that with the Young Families Group, YAP. And um, I think pretty early on we just decided that this was our church home and to be a part of the church home we wanted to give um, consistently and freely and joyfully and so we just kind of started uh, making it a priority in our lives. From the moment we walked in the door again it was just, it, I mean me growing up in a small town in central Nebraska it, I just felt at home. I, I think it was the, the YAP group that, that greeted us at the door or some of the members and, and, uh, and then just to see it grow from there from we, we've gathered not just friendships but we've, we've gained a whole other family. Yeah, it's really the church has given us roots. Um, we're not from Houston. We don't have family in Houston, or at least we didn't until we joined AUMC. And now, you know, our YAT family is just that, their family and our church members are more than just friends. And if anything happens, good times, bad times, that's who is part of our lives. And um, it's, been, it's been wonderful. Lance and I both grew up in families where we saw our parents faithfully giving consistently every week to our churches and that's the example that we want to set for our girls so that they see us you know give every week um, not just financially but with our time as well so it's been um, a family project for us something that we talk about consistently we back in our day we grew up actually seeing an envelope go in the basket and now um, it wasn't that long ago when Grace asked me why we don't give anything <laughs> to the church and we had to explain about electronic giving which is maybe a tough concept for a six-year-old um, but it's it's an important part of our lives and it's an important example to set for our family God is a blessed us greatly I mean with two beautiful children and a, a loving wife and and a wonderful church family I, I couldn't see not giving back um, because just like with blood relatives this is just a second family that you you do what you have to do to take care of everybody and that includes the community that surrounds us and Sometimes I think we have discussed that we wish there was more that we could do. There just aren't enough hours in the day for, for us to do it. Um, and I think that as much as the church has given us, I, I just, there isn't enough for us to give back. Yeah, I think we feel very fortunate that we're able to give what we can, but we always wish we could do more. Yeah. So when, when they're talking about AUMC, they're talking about you. They're talking about God's extravagant love flowing through you. Your church is changing lives. 
both in our community and within our own family. We are making a difference in the kingdom of God. And it's because of you. It's because of the extravagant love that, that you understand God has for each one of us and that you allow to flow through you. We are gathered here in this place as a church family, as the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus. We've remembered those that have gone before us, and we remember now as we come to the Lord's table, we remember the extravagant love that Jesus had for each one of us. 